Hi friends, welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm your host, Jess Ronnie, also known as Jess Plus The Mess. I'm an author, speaker, and founder of The Lucas Project, a nonprofit dedicated to bringing recognition, resources, and respite to special needs families. I created Coffee with Caregivers as a space to bring awareness to the struggles that families often face, including difficulties related to finances, mental health, and everything else in between. It is my belief that stories can change the world, and through conversations with caregivers, I hope to provide awareness which will lead to compassion and resources. Thanks for joining me today, but first a word from our sponsors. Hi, hey, Sarah. Jess, how's it going? I'm good. How are oh, you doing? I'm glad it's Saturday. <laughs> are you? I, I, I don't love Saturdays, but probably for different yeah, reasons. Yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long week. So I'm very excited that it's Saturday and we're furniture shopping later. It's very exciting. Well, fun. Yeah, it's Saturday to me is just another day in this pandemic right. reality. It's just another day day with with eight children home bored like yay another day so anyway um we first became acquainted I think a couple of months ago is that right just kind of following yeah. each other on social media yeah, I and... found you on Instagram at some point and I thought I need to know this woman and so I started following you on Instagram and I think I put a fun request up on Facebook and then at some point I don't know what happened, but then I got a friend request on Facebook and I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> I know we kind of laughed because you wondered if I was like ghosting <laughs> you and I was like, no, no way. I just, I don't know if I didn't see it or, or what, but anyway, we finally connected and we met two months yeah. ago. Yeah. Is that right? We both drove, I drove like an hour to meet you and you drove like an hour yeah, and a half. Yeah. And <laughs> to Panera. <laughs> Panera Bread. Right. You live in yep, Indiana. I'm in Indiana. You're in oh, Tennessee. I Tennessee. Yeah. We met in Bowling Green. And we met in yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, we met in Bowling Green. And we're like, is there anything open? Where can we go and just sit? Because we really didn't want to sit in the heat in our van. I mean, we would have made it work and it would have been awesome. But we really right. wanted food and to not be in a vehicle. <laughs> so. Right. And we were both so desperate for like community, community companionship. Like, I'll drive five hours to meet you. Yeah, that was great. And now we have another Yay. date coming up in yes. August, I believe. I'm so that'll be fun. Okay, well, we're going to dive in here a little bit um, into who you are so that our listeners can get an idea of what your life looks like. What do you do? Where do you live? Who do you live with? All that so good my stuff. husband and I live in Southern Indiana. Uh, we actually just moved here in January. Um, we'd previously been in ministry for 11 and a half years. Uh, we've been married for, it'll be 18 years, actually. Our anniversary is on Monday. So in two days. Oh, congratulations. Date, um, thank you. Yeah, 18 years. And um, we have three boys. And we have, they are, let me think, 16, 14, and 12. But very soon in the next two months, it will become 16, 15, and 13. So we'll have full okay. teenagers, not all of them. Right. And uh, yeah, good times. Good times. Um, and so we recently moved to my husband's hometown in Southern Indiana. And we'd been in ministry for 11 and a half years. And he was previously a music educator. And he has gone back to his roots and he's the choral director. He actually took over for his choral director in high school. So it's kind of a really cool story how it all came about. But, um, and his whole family lives here and we've never gotten to live really close to his family. And now they're five minutes down the road and it's so great. The kids can see them whenever and it's just, it's, we can get together for dinner if we want. I mean, you know, COVID notwithstanding, but. Uh, right. Built-in yeah, babysitters. If we, if we need it, yeah. The boys are old enough to stay home alone if we, you know, if we need them to, which yeah, is that's nice. True. Um, but if we're, you know, if we have extended things going on or if we just need someone to pick up from school or whatever, um, we've got, we've got a, uh, you know, we've got support here and we, we didn't have that before. So um, it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I went back to full-time work 
and the last time I was in like full-time work work outside of the home was before my kids were born so it's been a hot minute and I work for a therapy clinic I'm a, a front desk receptionist and patient coordinator for associates in pediatric therapy and so I coordinate all the kids coming in for therapy, which is really cool because I get to be the one on the end of the phone saying, congratulations, we've got a spot for your kid for therapy and making sure we get oh, the awesome. paperwork in. But I also have lots of opportunity to just talk to parents and encourage them. They'll vent to me. They'll, you know, they'll talk about the difficulties that they're having. And so I have opportunities to be encouraging. And um, I just, I love, I love, love, love my job. Um, and right now we are open again. So I'm in the office every day, full time. Um, so the whole quarantine for COVID, I don't, I don't live that life anymore <laughs> until for any reason mm -hmm. we get shut down again. But for right now, things are semi-normal for us. Um, and my husband okay. is a teacher. He's home in the summertime anyway. And he actually goes back. They start. Um, he'll he's been in the school getting things ready and preparing, but his first official, you know, teacher day for preparing for school is uh, next Friday. And then the kids start school the week after that. So, um, and I don't know what that'll look like, but in any case. So, <laughs> right. I was going to say, that's a whole thing. other conversation. But that's who we are. <laughs> and we have a golden retriever, Fred, and Fred has a Facebook page. <laughs> Fred okay. the dog. And which we started okay. because we were in quarantine and bored out of our ever-loving minds. So, right. Um, so we we we've tried to keep it up a little bit. It's not going to get anywhere near like Tucker Budson or anything like that. But it's just a fun little. If people like Goldens, you know, whatever. He's our doggo. So, so follow along, along if, you if you like, like Goldens. Goldens. Hilarious. Right. Well, this is coffee with caregivers, and you are a caregiver. Can you talk about? that a little bit, what that looks like in your life? Yes. So Samuel was originally diagnosed at uh, two. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, That's okay. Sam was diagnosed when he was two years old. Uh, we knew that there was something going on before that because he wasn't talking and uh, there was a lot of head banging, just a lot of behavioral issues and that was causing concern. And so he was diagnosed at two. And in the beginning, um, I still remember when the psychologist was giving me the initial results um, at that first diagnostic testing, uh, she was tracing her pencil over the line on the graph where it shows, you know, non-autistic, you know, non-autistic or however it was, however it said it, uh, you know, not right. at all moderate, you know, severe, and she kept tracing her line, her pencil over the line between moderate and severe. And she's like, he's right on the border. And she told me that she specifically went back and even rescored some of the questions to give him a better score. And, uh, and she, 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 she came back out and she had asked some other questions and like, she was just trying to give him the best possible outcome, um, which I appreciate. Okay. But even still, she said, even with giving him more, you know, better scoring, he's still coming out right on the border of moderate to severe uh, because he, at the time he was completely nonverbal. He was, he could speak, he scripted movie lines and that kind of thing, but there was no functional language at all. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I just remember at that time, you know, we had all the questions, you know, what is this going to look like for the rest of his life? Is he ever going to talk? I had fears of, you know, will he know that I love him. And if he can't understand my love for him and I'm standing right here in front of him, and if kids with autism have difficulties with abstract ideas and concepts, how in the world will he ever understand a God that loves him? I just had all these big questions right. and, you know, is he going to have friends? Is he going to speak ever? Is he going to drive? Is he going to, you know, all the things. And right now he's 14 and he has come a very long way. Um, therapy, he was in lots of different therapy over the years, um, specifically speech therapy and occupational and ABA uh, when he was very young. Um, and then more recently, um, kind of more of cognitive behavioral, you know, counseling as, a, as an older adolescent. Um, and mm -hmm. it just, it resonated with him. It just, it, it worked for him. And so he's fully functional now. He's fully verbal. Um, 
and he's but he's also a teenage boy so i i will be right. fully honest and i will say there have been times when i have to remind myself you prayed for him to speak and now he's speaking <laughs> right. you prayed for this just remember that you prayed right. for him to be able to speak and uh, i i say that in just but and that's something I'm sure we'll we'll discuss. We've the you and I have talked about this before, just the differences and the functioning levels and what that means for families. But um, so that's what it means for him today is that he's mainstreamed in school. Right. He's able to participate in activities. Um, so he loves photography. Um, he still um, he has some issues controlling his emotions and regulating, um, self-regulating. So when he gets upset, he gets very upset and it gets very difficult to, um, we, you can't logically reason with him. And that's kind of a trick mm -hmm. of, um, just for the purposes, of, just for the purposes of communication, because we have to be able to use language to speak. I'm going to say high functioning autism, meaning that okay. he is fully verbal and able to communicate his needs. Um, it doesn't diminish the difficulties and the struggles that we have, but just for the purposes of language, I'm going to say in his high functioning brain um, and the way that he's able to talk to us, it feels like he should be able to understand things when we tell him. And then when he doesn't, mm -hmm. it gets very frustrating. And it's almost like we have to remind ourselves he's, you know, he, he struggles with this, you know, he's not able to understand it in this way. We have to do something different to help him understand. It gets, it's very frustrating. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of what it looks like for us right now. Okay. And I, I loved that portion of our conversation when we met for coffee too, uh, when I even said to you, okay, so I'm trying to get this picture in my mind is he similar to Sam? And I think his name is Sam in oh, the Atypical, Netflix show, right. Atypical. Yes. And you were like, yeah, that's a good mm -hmm. representation of, of what our Sam would look like. Because like my Luke, and I, I'm just going to be honest, I don't even know all the political, political correct right, ways of right. saying everything, um, but it's very mm -hmm. low functioning. Mm -hmm. on the spectrum. Yes, Can I absolutely. say it that way? Yeah. <laughs> Is that politically correct? I don't, I don't know about that. I don't other even know it, But with me, you can use whatever language you need to use because I'm going to hear what you're actually trying to say. <laughs> so. Right. And that's the difficulty even in being right. a caregiver anymore. It's like, am I allowed to say this exactly. about my own child? And yes, there are absolutely words that, you know, yes. are horrible and horrific and should never be said. But um, so yes, Luke is on on the other end of the spectrum, very low functioning, profound special needs. He will need constant care for the rest mm -hmm. of his life. Whereas Sam is, has a different set of difficulties. And I loved it when we sort of dove into even the differences between mm -hmm. our children and how even high functioning can have its difficulties. And I know you said to me, you know, moms like me look at you and think, oh, you're so lucky, you know, your kid is functioning at this level and he can speak to you and he can take care of himself but yet there's still that element of but I I, I try to explain things to his his level of understanding and he still doesn't mm -hmm. understand it so like you explained one scenario where he ran outside yeah. and was sort of mm -hmm. having a meltdown and you have neighbors and that would never occur with Luke because we have systems in place where like he, our garage door is locked. He can't right. figure that out. So there's a system in place where we wouldn't ever have to deal with a scenario right. like that, but you do have to, and then you have to somehow rein him back in or explain to him or, or whatever. And maybe you can put words to that better right. than I am because it's your family. Right. But can you explain that a little bit? how his needs can make life a little more difficult for you or for your family or even for him. So Sam, so I was speaking recently with a, um, a case manager. We're, we're working on um, getting him added to the Indiana waiver. And so I had to do an intake interview. And so she was asking me all these different questions and she was asking me about his strengths. And I always pause when it comes to his strengths because um, I can I can say about things that he does well, like photography. He's a good runner, you know. But like character traits that he exhibits well, um, 
I'm trying to think really hard of, okay, well, what, you know, I, I think as a, as a, as a caregiver, sometimes we have a hard time figuring out what are the actual strengths of our kids, because so often all we see is the negative and all we experience is, is negative. And so when someone says, Hey, well, tell me something that's great about your kid. It takes us a minute. And I feel super guilty. Just, I'm just, you know, this is an honest conversation. <laughs> like I feel like a right. horrible, horrible mother that I can't be like, Oh, he's so wonderful and awesome. And not that he's not wonderful and awesome, but so one of the strengths that I landed on was uh, persistence, and I'm going to call it persistence, perseverance, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, and that is a good trait. But how that affects us negatively is he doesn't let things go. And so if we're having a family conversation, and maybe somebody says something, and maybe we shouldn't have said it, not that it was a bad thing to say, just maybe it's just it would lead to a conversation we didn't want to have, you know, how you say something, and then you're like, Oh, you know, what? never mind. And then, right. And then he's like, well, no, well, what is it? And I'm like, no, we're not going, we're not going to talk about it. And he will not drop the subject until, you know, and it just, and he kind of wears you down and it's, it's, it's those kinds of things. It's, um, how long can something like that last? Uh, it, it can go, it, it can last long enough to where it could eventually lead to a meltdown so it could be a period of five minutes where it escalates, or it could be, I mean, a half an hour. I mean, it can be just, you know, or then maybe he'll, he'll draw Cause then if you don't, then he gets mad. Cause then he thinks like you're treating him like a child or, or whatever. And I'm like, you are a child and I don't want to talk right. about this. This is, I, I misspoke. And so sometimes as a parent, we have to actually say things that we don't normally, you know, maybe our other teenager you know, they pick up on like, just leave mom alone, you know, or leave mom or dad alone, just drop it. But he persists in it. And so, but he does that with, with everybody. And so if it's, you know, one of his brothers who's talking about something and they say a joke and Sam doesn't get the joke. And then, you know, when you, when you're like, wait, what does that mean? And then you don't, you know, you don't want to explain the joke because now it ruins the joke. So they just, they just want to, mm-hmm. we just, we don't want to talk about that anymore. And, and then it, and then it just leads to, to difficulties. Um, and is a meltdown the yeah. pinnacle that's like the end that's and what does that end. look so like? For a, a meltdown for Sam, typically it, it's usually an outburst of anger of some kind. There's banging a fist on the table or, or kicking something. And then either he will get up and kind of run out, um, storm out is a better use of the word, um, he'll storm out and maybe he'll go like out of the room. Uh, maybe he'll go upstairs to his room. Sometimes he will go outside and that's what happened that one time. And he had tried to get on a bike and we're like, this is not like he was, he was, he was very much in a not good space to be riding a bike on mm-hmm. our road. And we don't live on a busy road. We live in a typical, you know, suburban neighborhood, but you know, so we were trying to get him to come back in and so, and so he's yelling, um, and be, and this is where the the verbal part comes into play. He he yells back, and so, and I was raised like if I did the things that he did, you know, I might get my butt slapped, or <laughs> you know, I might get a right. spanking, or I might get you know uh, a pop on the lips, or you know, I would there'd be, there'd a, be consequence, a consequence, right? But with him, like he just it just it just doesn't work that way. You know, we don't, we don't do that with him. He doesn't, he doesn't have any physical right. consequences like that. Um, and it's just, um, he doesn't under- understand when we're trying to tell him you cannot do this or, you know, even in your anger, like it's okay to be angry. We understand that you're upset, but you can't speak disrespectfully and you can't, you know, you can't treat people poorly. Um, and so there's that crossover of what is he actually able to do in this moment? And what can I expect of him in this moment? And a lot of times mm-hmm. there's just, you just don't know. You, you just, because it changes. Sometimes he's able to be like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And it's fine. And then other times it's a fight to the death on who's going to have the last word. And, and we have to just kind of give him space and walk away. And we have to 
put our parental pride aside and not stand on the battleground of disrespect or rudeness or whatever it is, even though it might very clearly be that, but that's not the time to do it. And so we struggle a lot with when do we address it? How do we address it? And so he'll, um, in, in his meltdown, he, there's, it kind of follows a formula. So he gets really angry at first. Um, and then there's, there's some kind of conversation to get into, okay, you need to calm down. You need to take a break. There's some space in between. And then as he calms down, um, that's when he will often come back to us and apologize and, um, or, or whatever it is, and we'll talk things out. But then it goes further and he goes into a self-deprecating mode. And why am I like okay. this? Why did God make me like this? I don't like this. I hate myself. I want to die. I don't want to live anymore. And um, it, it's a it, it's 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 an emotional roller coaster from start to finish. So when we're at the dinner table, we're having a family conversation, and we can see that that train car is starting to chug up the hill a little bit. We're we're trying right. so hard to put the brakes on it, like you know what, let's not worry right. about that right now. And we'll try to explain it away very quickly. Or, you know, we're just trying to diffuse the bomb because we know that we know what happens when it goes off. Mm-hmm. And that's a very frustrating thing um, to, you know, to, to handle. Um, is, is there a currency that works with him? Like stop this behavior or, or change this behavior and you'll get, So we've tried a few different things. He has a phone and he likes to watch movies. Um, He's a movie buff. I mean, he loves, he watches a movie literally every single day. He makes homemade popcorn whenever he does it. (laughs) I remember you telling me about this. He's got like the whirly pop thing (laughs) he got for Christmas. And so he makes popcorn every single day on the stove. Um, and, and so he's, he's able, you know, he's able to do certain functional things, uh, which, which are great. But then other times it's like, well, why are you putting dirty dishes back in the cabinet? That's, this is not a good thing. You know, <laughs> right. It's more work right, for right. mom. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's normally what we have to take his, you know, if there's a consequence, it's we, we take his phone away, he'll lose his phone or he'll lose movie time. So he's allowed to rent. I think we've said three movies a week uh, because, you know, we don't, okay. own, I mean, we use, we own DVDs, but you know, that's just not how we work in it, with all the streaming services and everything. And right. so if it's, we try to find it free on a streaming service and typically it might be two ninety nine or three ninety nine or whatever it is. And he just, he just watches so many. And he was asking, I mean, almost every day, can I watch it's It's only three ninety nine. It's this one is six ninety nine. And so finally I just said, okay, you can rent three movies. Like that's it. Three, three movies. Right. And, and they're generally in the same, you know, give or take a, a couple dollars. So that's, that's fine. Um, but <laughs> so we can say, okay, you're not going to get to watch a movie tonight. And, um, but the, you know, and I think that part of the issue is too, is that he's a teenage boy. So he's going to get angry when there's a consequence, right? Well, and he sounds like yeah. a teenage boy. Like you yeah. take away his phone. I mean, I have a what do I have? A seven two seventeen year olds. <laughs> <laughs> I have two seventeen year olds, and we take away their phones, and yeah, they're not happy about that at all. And we right. pay for it, right? And add the layer but... of autism on top of that, and maybe not understanding what's happened. So we, you know, so we we explain to him, okay, we have asked you not to do this. You have continued to do this. Now you're going to lose your phone, you know. So we 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 lay it out ahead of time. You're, Sam, if you do this, you are going to lose your phone. And then when he does it and he loses his phone, he you know he gets mad and we we deal with that. But um, yeah, so <laughs> right. Do you feel like other people misunderstand his meltdowns, or is there an aspect of him that you? or even as your family is often mm-hmm. misunderstood by the general right. public. So, um, so two things, I think that Sam himself has been misunderstood. We've had that happen before, like in, in schools and that our family is misunderstood based on his ability to function. So for Sam personally, okay. uh, when he was in sixth grade, 
um, the one of his co-teachers, she was the special needs liaison person. Um, it was uh, it was just not a good situation. They just like I was saying earlier, when he gets angry or when he's starting to get upset, he will try to explain himself to you. But him trying to okay. explain himself to you will come across as talking back and, uh, and, and it can sound disrespectful and rude. Now, we know, we know what he's doing and we're trying. And so we will tell him, we'll try to caution him, Sam, you know, okay, so right now I'm telling you, I need you to acknowledge this because when you don't acknowledge what I'm saying and you say this other thing back to me, it sounds like you're talking back. And it's so, it's just so exhausting because to have to explain, you know, parents can't just say, you can't talk to me like that. He doesn't know what that means. He doesn't understand that. And so you have to explain okay. why it, I'm not talking back. I'm trying to explain to you. Well, that is talking back because you're not accepting what I'm telling you. You know what I mean? And so Right. When he was in school and he would do something and the teacher would be like, Samuel, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just getting up. I'm going to, you know, you don't answer me when I raise my hand. And I'm, and, and not that there wasn't ever an element of him being disrespectful, but it just, it's all meshed in there together. And so he's just trying to explain himself. And when he gets really upset, he can't explain. He doesn't have words. And then he gets even more upset because okay. he can't explain it. So he'll get upset going, oh, I just, I can't. I don't know how to, uh, I just don't know how to say it, you know? Um, and and we're like, it's okay. It's okay. Take your time. I understand what you're doing. It's a, it's all right. But teachers didn't see it the same way. And so they're mm -hmm. like, you know, so they would get mad at him and yell at him in front of the class, which of course is humiliating. And he understands what's happening. He has emotions about humiliation. He can feel that. And so Right. Then he would get angry and start to, you know, bang on his desk or something. And then he would get sent out into the hallway where he had a full blown meltdown, kicking lockers and the whole nine yards. So we've had that where he is just misunderstood, uh, you know, at, in general as a person, you know, in, in a different, not with our family. And then as our family, right. um, you know, when we've moved different places, we've explained, you know, our, our son has autism. And we get this a lot, you know, oh, he doesn't look like he has autism. I would never have known that he had autism if you hadn't told me. And, um, and they just mean by that he doesn't, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have physical characteristics. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't rock back and forth. He doesn't flap his hands. He doesn't, you know, those kinds of things that they would expect of, you know, Rain Man, it's still out there. It's just kind of this you know, people just kind of expect autism to look a certain way. And so um, when he doesn't look like that and, and he's able to talk to them and have an intelligent conversation, they're like, oh, you're fine. You, you know, you can, right. you can talk to me. We can talk about things. You're totally fine. Here are the things. Do you think there's still that yes. expectation? Because yeah. I do you? Okay. I'm just wondering because Luke is more like mm -hmm. Rain Man, you know, with the stimming right. and the rocking and the flapping right. his hands. And, um, but I feel like there's been so much advocacy mm -hmm. and awareness mm -hmm. with autism that I'm surprised that you yeah. still get that. There's, it, it's almost like they're surprised to see, um, that, that he's able to, to be so verbal and, and really, um, for instance, recently we were having dinner with old friends of ours and they knew Sam when he was three years old. It was one of our first, it was our very first place in ministry and it was our former pastor there. And so they saw Sam grow up from three to, uh, to, you know, to 10. And, and the right. way that they knew Sam was very different than who he is now. And we are having dinner and Sam was asking, and their his kids are, you know, adult, they're young adults now. And they've, you know, in college and have jobs and whatever. And Sam was asking, it was like a, a fully, you know, quote unquote, normal conversation, you know, tell me about your job. Oh, why do you think that, you know, or whatever it was. And I could see the surprise on their face, like, oh, we're having a real conversation with this kid because they, they knew him. Really? And I said, <laughs> I actually said, this is not the same Sam that you knew because it's been several years since they've really seen him and they've right. seen him grow up in the last few years and he has grown up quite a bit. And they were like, yeah, I can tell that. Um, and so there's kind of this element of, you know, okay, so we can talk to you, but then you can only talk about 
or not that you can only talk about, but it always circles back around to movies. We're going to end up talking about movies. We're going to talk about things that <laughs> pertain to, you know, um, things that, that he likes to do. But he is, you know, he does ask questions about, you know, oh, well, what do you like to do? Well, tell me more about that. But then, and then he'll bring it back to, you know, and then he'll kind of, he's just, but he's having the give and take of conversation. And so when there's any kind of difficulty there, it's kind of like there's this expectation of, oh, you're fine now. Like, you know, you had therapy all those years and it helped you and look at you, you're all grown up. Like, you're right. fine. You're able. Is that pretty typical of like high functioning um, autism where they sort of fixate on something? I'm just thinking of Sam and Atypical mm-hmm. again, where he like is fixated right. on these penguins and it sounds like your Sam is fixated on these movies. Yes. Is that very typical? I, mean, I would think okay. so. I, I say, I would say yes. Uh, there's, uh, you know, just perseverations on, on certain things. Um, when he was younger, it was always the specific movie cars and we lived cars for like seven years, which, and when I say we lived cars, I meant, I mean, we watched the movie all the time and he scripted the movie all the time. And by scripted, I mean, he's acting it out out loud with, he knew the entire script by heart uh, or, you know, or most of it. And so he would act it out and he would be outside. And so he, when he scripts and he's outside, it looks like he's kind of just doing this one man show and he'll do it with star Wars too. So he'd kind of, you know, wave his, you know, invisible uh, lightsaber around and, and he's just enacting it. And when we see him scripting, we know his brain's kind of on overload. So, like there's a reason okay. for it, um, which we understand that now. Um, and so that's what it looks like for him. But yes, he's, he's very, he very much perseverates on, on movies. That's his passion. He used to want to be a movie producer. And then about a year ago, he's like, I don't, he, he couldn't, he, he needs to have all information about everything, like all at once. So he needs to know everything about a subject and then move on. And so he was trying to figure out, okay, well, I want to be a movie producer. What would I need to do? And there were so many different aspects of producing movies that he couldn't quite work (laughs) it all out. And so he was like, you know what, forget it. I'll just be a photographer. (laughs) That's kind of how my brain operates. (laughs) Like give it all to me. Oh yeah, that sounds too intense. Never mind. I'll just be a writer. Figure it out. And he's (laughs) like, okay, well, and I had encouraged him, maybe you should start with photography because, you know, you have to understand, you know, photographic elements, you know, rules of thirds and I don't know, whatever. If you're going to frame shots and all those kinds of things, if you're going to learn how to do that, photography is really where you need to start. And so he's just kind of decided, well, now photography is as far as I'm going to go. And I don't know where that's going to take him, but that's where he's starting anyway. So, okay. You know, right so now he's fixated on photography. So he loves movies. He loves doing that. But photography is a new hobby. And so he wants to go down to um, the Ohio Greenway. Uh, there's, so we live on the on the border of Louisville, Kentucky, where the Ohio River is. And so we can go down to the Greenway and it's just kind of like, where, you know, the beach area and uh, all the driftwood gets washed up and that's where the bridges are and the sunsets are gorgeous and the cityscape is across the river and just fantastic shots, right? So he wants to go walking on photo shoots all the time. So that's that's our life okay. right now is, you know, hey, can you take me here? Can you take me here? Can you take me here? So you're getting some good workouts in. <laughs> well, you? not me. I'm at work. Right. <laughs> Somebody is. <laughs> so you know, my husband will normally take him. But a lot of times um, our family will, after dinner, when I, you know, we'll just go on a drive and we'll go down there and we'll kind of walk around. There's an ice cream place. It's super cute. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like a Hallmark movie. It's adorable. So. Oh, gosh. I'll have to come Absolutely. visit sometime and check that out. It looks, it, it sounds really cute. Um, Yeah. And as I'm saying this, even I said, like high functioning autism, autism has become sort of a new world for Mm -hmm. us. Um, I don't know even if I told you this when we met, but when we lived in Michigan, nobody ever diagnosed Luke as autistic or said the word autistic about him. So Mm -hmm. did I? And so we just, we would tell people he has profound special needs. That's what they said in Michigan. And then we moved to Tennessee and a couple of years ago, his teacher was like, said something about yeah when he's stimming and his autistic tendencies and I was like Luke's not autistic she was like sure he is (laughs) I was like really 
Luke has autism? And I came home to Ryan and I said, his teacher said he's autistic. We get on and on Google and we're researching it and like full full blown autism. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, this seems like it should have been like way I more had obvious. never right. Like I had never slapped that right. label on him or had even heard anybody refer to him as autistic. So part of me kind of likes that. Like I I didn't think of him that way but then the other part of me is like gosh I could have been figuring out all these ways and methods and resources Mm -hmm. to help him you know progress but um even thinking through this fixation like his whole childhood he was fixated on veggie tails and now like the past year it's Mm -hmm. been mother goose so there is like this fixation thing that I even see playing out in in his mind um but yeah it's just really interesting once all of those once you start to connect those dots as a caregiver and how to right. best yeah. help them like vocalize or whatever. And we've seen so many more words come out of him too, which is amazing yeah. and wonderful. Yeah. It, we, um, uh, we have friends, friends of ours live in Oregon. Do you know Jason Haig? Okay. Yes. Um, I know the name. He's, yes, he's, he's an, an author. author. He wrote aching joy. Fantastic yes. book, by the way, just free. free Shout plug out to Jason, Jason Haig. Haig. Maybe I can, Maybe he'll come oh, on my well, podcast. He came on mine, and it was so much fun. Okay, I I love talking. He and his wife Sarah, they're fantastic. I met them at the um, Key Ministry Inclusion Fusion Conference, the very first one um, a few years ago, and so that's where we first met. Okay, um, their son Jack, um, he has uh, autism, and he fixates on movies and movie lines, and movie lines are how he communicates. So, which. I read, I had read about that. And there's um, another kid who kind of does this with Disney. There's articles out there. I forget the name of it, um, of the, of the person um, who loved Disney movies so much. And then they discovered um, in normal conversation, um, you know, if the parents are trying to talk with him, they would ask him a question and his answer would be in a movie line. And so Jack does the same thing. Sam never really communicates in movie lines. He just, he just scripts them for his own you know, it's kind of his own uh, release, um, just kind of working out. It's his own processing method, but he understands things according to movies. So we can say, well, you know how in, and of course I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but you know, you know how in this movie, when this happens, that's kind of what this is like. And he can, he can understand it in those terms. He's a very visual, you know, visual and uh, auditory learner. Um, and so, okay. um, what you could do with that is understanding their perseverations and understanding uh, you know, those kinds of obsessions is turning it into ways to communicate. And then for Sam, mm-hmm. it might even be, you know, a way for him to, to have a job one day is turning that passion for movies. And that's kind of how we all work. Right. So I've always loved the English language. I love to read and, and write and I'm not an author yet, but that's, that's the goal. But um, just just speaking and, and those kinds of things, you know, maybe that's that's something I've kind of turned into um, not quite a business yet, but I'm working towards that. Um, and so a- anyway, we just, you know, we use our own passions to to get into jobs that we love, you know, people who are really good at coding right. and electronics or whatever they, they get into IT. So it's no different for our kids. It's just going to be on their level, whatever that is. Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, So to transition a little bit, do you still find that even though Sam can verbalize his needs and seems to be very high functioning, that there are still gaps in in ways that people could help you if they Mm. desired to reach out and help you in some ways? And do you see any improvement for caregivers overall who are going through something Mm. like this? That's a really good question. So can I ask you to ask that again? (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of all over the place. First, is there, is there any way that people could help your family? We'll start there. You know, I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I've thought about this. I've had, I've had people ask me, just kind of in these kinds of conversations, not anything local who's actually asking to help. Um, 
what could be done to, to help. Um, you know, I, I really, I really don't know. And, and, and two, the way our world is right now, even if we had something, I don't know that it would be viable or feasible, you know, um, like, right. because we don't, you know, we're not in the place where we're being hospitalized all the time. We're not in a place where we need food delivered. You know, we don't need those kinds of provisions. Um, what we need the most is community. Um, what Sam needs is friends. We live in a brand new place mm-hmm. and he barely had time to get to know anybody at school before COVID shut everything down. And he was on the track team and he had gone to some practices, but I guess um, the kids that were on the track team, um, not that they weren't friendly or, you know, but it just, it, he wasn't, you know, they knew each other and they didn't know him. And we came in in the middle of the year as well. And so that makes a difference too. Um, and so he just felt like, you know, he, he has certain ways that he makes friends. He, he, <laughs> it's kind of funny. He, he sizes people up from the outside first. Like he looks at people and he, <laughs> And he, cause he came home and he told us there's nobody there that looks like anybody I want to be friends with. And I'm like, what, is, oh. what does that mean? I don't understand. Like they're people, aren't they? Like what? I don't understand. What does that mean? And he said, when I look at them, they don't look like the type of person that I would want to be friends with. He's just, he just says what we all think. <laughs> and I don't, I'm like, like, I don't understand. Like, do these people just scowl all the time? Or do they not look friendly? Right. Is it just their personalities? Like, what does it mean that they don't look like, you know, and he's not even talking about skin color or anything. Like, it has nothing to do with that. It's just, he just looks at somebody and Blunt. he's like, no, you're not it. You know what I mean? Right. And I guess on some level I can understand that. Like there have just been some people in my life where I have met, but in the opposite way. And I'm like, you and I are going to be best friends. Like, this is just how it's going to be. And I don't because of how and you I don't look. know if it's I don't know if it I don't know what my brain decided you know how my brain decided that right uh, actually and that's been done to me I had when we first moved to Maryland someone came to our house they were bringing the meal over because we were just moving in and we talked all of like two minutes and she said I can tell right now you and I are going to be best friends and then we were and and that's awesome it's like my five-year-old Annabelle you're pretty so yeah, you're gonna be I my like best you. friend and <laughs> And it's just, you right. know, I, so I don't know if it's about their looks or if it's about, you know, watching them talk to other people or, or I don't really know what it is. And that's the other thing. He can't explain it. So it's not like we can go right. out friend shopping, you know, go out into public. Does like, this one fit your okay, criteria? Or which one of these looks right. like oh, awesome. they could be your friend. Um, so, but anyway, so he, he needs friends and I need community we we didn't have a chance um Mm -hmm. to be in a church really you know to find a a church home so we kind of landed on one that all the kids really liked we've been able to go a couple of times and then COVID shut everything down and so um the blessing of where we are right now is that we have family so we have we have community in that way but I don't have any local girlfriends you know I don't Mm -hmm. well that's a resounding theme of caregivers Mm -hmm. everywhere like desperate for community and I would say the number one thing that I keep hearing over and over and over from caregivers is I'm so Mm -hmm. isolated I just feel so isolated because one either people don't dare invite my family Mm -hmm. because of this this child I have and they're not sure how we're going to manage that or how they're Mm going to manage that or or they won't come to my home because they feel like they're just taking energy that I, I don't have. Mm-hmm. But what I've tried to explain to people too, is maybe I can't go to your house for a cookout, but if I invite you to my house, right. please come. Like I know how to manage my chaos and still have a good time right. as a host, you know, serving you food and enjoying right. community. Right. And um, like, I'm not doing that out of some weird desire to like, prove that I have everything pulled together I'm doing that because I genuinely want community and friendship so exactly and whenever so one of the one of the pastors of a church that we had visited um their family invited our family over for dinner 
And it's kind of always a, a toss up of, you know, okay, because it's something brand new and we can't predict what's going to happen. So we can't give him all this information ahead of time. Right. And they're homesteaders. So they live out in the middle of nowhere. They've got all kinds of farm animals and everything. And, um, and the, the husband um, is now one of my husband's really good friends. So like my husband, I feel like for the first, for the first time in a long time has several like really good close local friends not that he hasn't had them before but in any way um just has had really good community like almost immediately upon mm -hmm. moving here he just and they weren't even people that he knew before they're they're, they're new people. oh wow well i take that back a couple of them were but they didn't know him very well and this one was brand new and so he kind of has like this guy community which is fantastic and i'm so excited for that for him um and so, cause he was just working so hard before and he just almost, you know, never had time for it. And it was just a difficult situation. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm super extroverted and I thrive on people and conversation and especially if we can get together. And so when quarantine hit, that was super hard. So I relied on phone calls and Marco Polo and <laughs> FaceTime and, you know, those kinds of things. But um, what we need from people when our families get together is just kind of an understanding that, you know, okay, yes, yeah, Sam, Sam does have autism. And most of the time, I, I mean, we've never had anyone who's like, oh, well, we don't want that. You know, no one has ever said that. Um, but we just try to explain to them, um, he might sound like he's arguing with you about something, but he's just genuinely trying to explain his position. And so there's just, there needs to be this understanding of, okay, he's not trying to be rude. And so, because in situations right. there have been times where he has said something and we're like, <gasps> you know, Samuel, you can't, you know, that's, that can, and we're trying to ex gently explain it to him right then. So he doesn't continue. Right. And we don't want to like get him up from the table or get him out of the room because then that makes everything super awkward and that's even more humiliating. So we have to kind of address it right there on the spot. And, you know, um, I think Sam, maybe what you mean to say is this, you know? and he's like, well, <laughs> right, well, son? no, that's not what I, why would I say that? I, you know, <laughs> and then they just kind of like, it's okay. It's okay. And, you know, so just understanding that, um, that things are good. It's conversations going to be a little different. It might look a little different. Right. And if he gets really upset about something. He gets really embarrassed by it and he does not, He's very aware of his differences. And that's, that's a difficult thing yeah. for him is that he's very, very aware that he gets upset too quickly um, or, or if he were to act out and then he feels stupid. And, and that's a mm -hmm. difficult thing. So I, I. And we've, we've never had people like explicitly say either, no, you can't come because of Lucas. But I think sometimes there's an implied barrier there when you fail to make accommodations or and even by you just explaining that from the get-go I think is so helpful because I could see myself even reacting to somebody's child who has autism like if he came across as rude and I would be like good grief that's a right. rude kid but if you explained it to me ahead of time this is just how he is that would make a mm -hmm. lot of sense to me mm -hmm. So yeah, I like that. Anyway, well, I think we got to wrap this up. We're going on oh an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, I have three takeaway questions I love to ask yes. everyone. So the first one is, how has being a caregiver changed oh. you? See, I got the question ahead of time and I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> how has it changed me? Um, I, it, has, it has taught me um, more patience and compassion and understanding. And, um, oh, okay. So uh, apparently I'm That's good. Um, so my mom, I, my, I love my mom. We have a fantastic relationship together and I'm so thankful for her and she's such a blessing and they love all of our children and, you know, they understand Sam and they've been there for the hard things. And, you know, so, um, when I, I'm able to confide in her about things like, you know, sometimes I wish that maybe he couldn't talk because, because then we wouldn't have all of these really, really difficult things. 
but then we would have other difficult things like not understanding what's going mm -hmm. on, you know? And so, um, and that's something that caregivers, I feel like we're not allowed to say the really hard, honest truths about because then we're terrible, terrible people who don't, who don't love, love our, our children. children. And it's and, not that it's just, we're grappling yeah. and we're dealing so much with so many aspects of grief, but anyway, what my mom has always told me, and she said it from the very first time I told her that he had autism and I didn't know what we were going to do. And, you know, all the way through till now, when I explained, you know, these are our difficulties and I'm really struggling with this and this is really hard and I hate this. And her words have always been, you're stronger than you think, you know, <sighs> and and I'm thankful for those words for two reasons. One, it is not the trite, God won't give you anything more than you can handle, because we all know that that is an absolute lie. And if you say that to people, right. you should stop it. <laughs> right. You just, should stop it right now. Just just stop it. Don't say that. It's not true. Otherwise, there's no reason for the cross. Um, we are given things far greater than we can handle because we are to rely on the Lord. If we were to able to handle it for ourselves, then we would never have any need uh, for, for God or a savior or anything. So stop saying that. Um, but she said, you're stronger than you think, you know, and that's just one of those things where in the really hard moments, I remember that. And, and it goes hand in hand with uh, one of my favorite verses. And I always butcher the, the, the verse where it is Psalm 52, 11 or 63 to I don't remember what it is, but it says when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I'm reminded that there's mm -hmm. someone stronger than me, not just someone that God is stronger than, than I am. And he is my rock. And so I can be strong because he is strong and he is the one who gives me strength. And so I'm not strong in my own strength. I'm strong because because of God's strength. And so when she tells me you're stronger than you think, you know, that means that when I feel like I'm not I'm not cutting it, you know, when I feel so weak and I'm so tired and I'm so exhausted and yet I have to keep going and I have to keep, you know, maybe a meltdown has just happened and now we have to deal with the fallout of the meltdown and now we have to follow him up there and then we have to have the conversation that could lead to another meltdown possibly, we don't know what it's going to look like, whatever it is that's, that's coming, I have to be able to, to be strong enough to handle it and I know that I'm not, but I'm, I'm stronger than I think I know, but you know I where know to go is my help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Second question. If you had one hour all to yourself, how would you spend it? Oh, I love naps. <laughs> Do you? And your In extroverted, extroverted self? self? I love naps. <laughs> um, I, I really, okay. I really, I really love shopping. There's so many different things. It depends on the mood that I'm in. It depends. And it depends on the weather. Like if it's raining outside, then that's a really great, you know, okay, I'm going to curl up and, you know, watch some Netflix or whatever my latest crime documentary <laughs> is right. um, on TV. Um, so, yeah, or just kind of just sitting aimlessly and just not doing anything is kind of nice sometimes. You can do that. I don't even think I, I can do well, that anymore. Well, not like sitting in a chair and staring, but like <laughs> not having a, pro I'm, you know, meaning I'm not working on a project. I'm not, you know, I'm not right. trying to get something done or do something. Um, I don't, um, I don't, that, that whole thing where like my mother-in-law, she loves to clean. She's a cleaner. Her mom was a cleaner and like, she can't sit still or something, you know, she's got to be able to clean it. And so if she had an hour to herself, she'd be like, oh, you know, I don't know what, you know, she'd probably be cleaning. I can't, I can't do that. That's not, I don't, mess doesn't bother me. It probably should. But it, does. it doesn't bother me either. That's probably why we yeah, get along. It just, it just doesn't bother me as, as much, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be, but it bothers Sam a lot. And so, yeah, that's the other thing. But yeah, just kind of sitting, scrolling aimlessly through Facebook. I, I really like talking yeah. with friends, you know, um, if I have some time to kill and I know that no one's going to be bothering me, I'll probably, I'll think of who can I call and, you know, and, and they'll pick up the phone or, or something. So, yeah. Right. That's kind of a little joke we have is you'll be energized yes. from this conversation. <laughs> I'll have to go take a nap. <laughs> Which is perfect because I'm, I'm about like... ready to go furniture shopping. <sighs> and then when we're done here, you can just go like rest and be like, okay, Ryan, <laughs> make sure the kids get their chores in. 
I just had an hour long conversation exactly. with Sarah Brody. I got to go lay down. <laughs> right. I'll be drained for the rest of the day. Oh, that's funny. And last but not least, how many cups of coffee are you drinking these days? I don't drink days? any coffee. That's I right. I if you would remember that, that. So I'm a tea drinker, though. Uh, I love my Earl Grey. I love hot Earl Grey with milk and sugar, uh, which my dad hates. He just it makes him just shiver. You know, when I when I when I pour milk into my tea, he's just like. Ugh. Um, if I do have coffee, I hate <gasps> Earl Grey tea. It tastes like what? soap to me. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. I don't know if this is going to work anymore. <laughs> Well, the last three interviews I've had on here, I, I asked my last question, and all three are like, I don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is coffee with caregivers. I, um, I normally, on my podcast, I'll ask uh, coffee or tea, and then and then we, we kind of okay. go from there. But um, if I do drink coffee, though, it's a caramel, it's a, it's a hot caramel macchiato from Starbucks with extra caramel drizzle with whip. And my husband gets a little peeved at me because he's a coffee snob and he's like, whip doesn't go on a macchiato. And I'm like, it does if it goes in my cup. So. So you like like the thousand I, calorie. I need that. Well, don't put it coffee. that way. I just like for my coffee to not taste like coffee. Right. I, have enough sugar yeah. to totally like, take away I'm the coffee taste. I'm not against vanilla things, but I really just love the, I discovered the caramel macchiato. And so I also like, like the caramel cloud. It's okay. I feel like it's not as, I feel like it's just kind of like, you know, this posh snobbiness of a coffee drink to, yes. you know, fill it with, with, uh, you know, filler, just cream. Like, uh, just, just make it a straight macchiato. That'd be great. Thanks. I just have a hard time in my Dutchness. Um, I don't know if that's politically correct, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> Spending $10 on fancy coffee. In your, so. in your Dutchness? In my Dutchness, you, can I say that? Does that mean that you're Dutch? I mean, Is that what... I'm Dutch, yes, you're very Dutch, much so. Really? Um, and we are, you know, historically, um, we like inexpensive oh, things. Oh. <laughs> so... I never knew that about the Dutch. Okay. Yes, it is. It is a preconceived oh. idea. So where can people find you if they want to keep up to date with your story and your life yeah. and... Uh, I'm Everything. on Facebook. Um, so my, um, I, I realized, I always realized this after the fact, but when I was introducing myself, I didn't say anything about the things that I do in, in special needs world. Um, so I have a blog called Hope in Autism, and that's at hopeinautism.com, and it's spelled out just the way that it's supposed to. Uh, it's not any weird spellings, hopeinautism.com. And I I'll put that all in the show notes too. Um, so I'm in hopeitautism.com. I blog there. Um, actually, I, that's where my blog started. Um, and then uh, most recently, I've been writing for Key Ministry, their special needs parenting blog. But since we moved, I think I've maybe submitted one blog post be, just because with working and, and then COVID and everything. And I just, um, anyway, so... Um, but I have, yeah, Life, I do have, right. the last thing that I wrote was a series on songs for the weary, grieving, and hopeless. And it was a, a, a six-part series, and I um, kind of broke down a, a different song in every one and how it related to our life. And it not specifically necessarily for special needs, but that's the perspective that I have. And so, but you can use it for just about anything. And I, my favorite was the last, the last one that I ended with was Andrew Peterson's, um, Oh, what's the name? <laughs> you know, the big one that he, the, <laughs> I the don't, new, the new song. Uh, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Okay. So the last one I ended with was Andrew Peterson's, is he worthy? And uh, it was just, it was incredible. And so, um, and then I have a podcast called a special hope podcast. Um, and the last podcast I did was an Easter uh, one in 2020 uh, but that's on all the platforms and everything. And I've got a podcast page on my blog page as well. Um, so yeah, Hope and Autism and a special Hope podcast. And I'm on Instagram as Hope and Autism. And on Twitter, it's a special Hope pod or three boys for me and their numbers. Um, anyway, I'm sure all these links will be in there. So um, I'm in a variety of different places. I'm not on Twitter very often. Um, I try to keep up with some things, but I'm mostly on Facebook because I guess that's just 
you know, I'm in that age group. <laughs> for old people like us. That's what my kids tell me. You're on Facebook, mom, because yeah. you're old. And I yeah. said, well, that's where my, my tribe yeah, is. That's so where all my people are. I'm, that's and where I've my people with, are. I'm not I've on been with Facebook or... since the beginning. I mean, I remember when you could, when I could scroll through Facebook and I reached the end of my feed. There were no more posts. Yes. Really? I remember that. There were no more posts to see. Wow. So like I've been with it through thick and thin. <laughs> right. So it's I'm on Instagram. Thing. I'm just not super great about posting um, a lot on there. Um, and Sam actually, Sam's on Instagram too. He's got some cool, actually he's changed his handle so many times though. I'm not sure I know what it is anymore, but if you found me, you could probably <laughs> okay. find him if you really wanted to, because uh, he likes followers. And he actually did a really cool thing where he took several different pictures and then, or he took one picture and kind of broke it up into multiple pictures and then posted them separately so that on his Instagram feed, the like the six pictures created one picture. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then yep. he posted yep. another picture and then it kind of ruined everything. I said, well, once he posts two more, uh, it'll be back in line again. So it'll be fine. But it was just like his eye is just he's got a really cool eye for things. So. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. check that out. Well, this, this has been, been fun. Fantastic. Thanks for <laughs> carving out a little chunk of time for me Absolutely. on Saturday morning. Absolutely. It's been my we'll pleasure. Do it again. You can probably hear my husband mowing the lawn now outside. So, oh, thank no, you. Okay, I don't good, hear that. I hear it. <laughs> oh, no. It's getting in the microphone. So that's good. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Thanks for listening today. If you want to know more about The Lucas Project, find us at thelucasproject.org. If you want to know more about my story, head to justplusthemess.com, and while there, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, or maybe check out my memoir, Sunlight Burning at Midnight. In the meantime, please hit subscribe and maybe leave a quick review. These are so important in the podcast world as they help us gain traction and recognition which translates into helping more caregivers. And until our next conversation, let's do what we do best. Just keep living.